Pray with me, please. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful people. Holy Spirit, breath of God and fire of love, we cannot pray, we cannot reflect, we cannot receive reflection, your word, without your aid. Kindle in us now the fire of your love and illumine us with your light, that with steadfast wills and holy thoughts, we may now approach the Father in spirit and in truth through Jesus Christ our Lord, who with you and the Father reign in eternal union. Amen. You may be seated. What to say for St. Bartholomew's Day? Um, I did not, I, I made this call last, yesterday at the clergy meeting, whether we were going to do the propers for St. Bartholomew's Day or uh, reflect on my sermon from last week and use last week's readings and all that good stuff. So I wasn't particularly prepared for doing this. I just know that I like saints and learning about them and talking about them. So let's see where this goes. Uh, Gary's mentioned twice now. He mentioned to me a few hours ago and right now to you that there's not a lot about him in the Gospels. I mean, we don't have a lot of information on St. Bartholomew. We have a few pieces that we can kind of put together, and so I'll try to put those together right now and help us get a picture of them. But you'll notice that our lectionary readings aren't particularly helpful. I mean, Deuteronomy, the Psalm, um, the Gospel's good, or the Epistle's good at giving us an idea of what apostleship is all about, right, being poured out for Jesus. Um, And then I suppose the Gospel's good at that too, but nothing about Bartholomew, nothing about who he is. So let's try to put that together real quick. So I'm getting this, sorry, Mike, from Lesser Feasts and Fasts in the Episcopal Church. We'll have our own at some point. But I think it's solid information. Bartholomew is one of the 12 apostles known in the Gospels, according to Matthew, Mark, and Luke only, by name. His name means son of Ptolemy, Bar-Ptolemy, Bartholomew, Bar-Jonah, Simon, son of Jonah, that kind of thing. He's sometimes identified with Nathaniel, the friend of Philip, the Israelite without guile, as Jesus calls him in John's gospel, to whom Jesus promised a vision of angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So that's lesser feasts and fasts. And here comes the Encyclopedia Britannica to help us a little bit. This identification, that is, that Bartholomew is Nathaniel, the Bartholomew of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, is the Nathaniel of St. John in his gospel. It helps to explain how the otherwise unknown Bartholomew could be mentioned in the apostle lists while Nathaniel, whose call is explicitly described as John, does not figure in them. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke don't mention Nathaniel, and John doesn't mention Bartholomew, and so we can kind of put that together. Thus, his full name would be Nathaniel Bartholomew, right? Nathaniel Bartholomew, Nathaniel, son of Ptolemy. There's a tradition, getting back to lesser fasts and feasts, that Bartholomew traveled as an apostle to India and the far reaches of India, the far side, the Asian side of India. And Eusebius, the church historian, reports that when uh, a visitor from Alexandria went to India between about 100 and 200 AD, he found there, quote, the gospel according to St. Matthew, which was left there by Bartholomew. Ancient tradition maintains that Bartholomew was flayed alive in Armenia, which is where he ends up. And William Redding, who's an Anglican historian writing in 1762, a book about the life of Christ and his apostles, he says this, that um, that might refer his death to his crucifixion. So notice what apostleship is looking like according to our readings. It looks like crucifixion. It looks like a cross. It looks like dying to yourself. But the fact that this Anglican, 1,700 years after Jesus lived, And today, we still have this thing called lesser feasts and fasts that tell us about saints. It it helps us get this whole idea of the church and the gospel 
and what we believe and teach dusty again. I mean, like I mentioned in my sermon, that what Bishop Barron was so helped me in doing in that passage in the gospel that's really strange and this questioner is asking this really theoretical question is getting it back down into history. The fact that we can go back and, and look and read and compile information about saints reminds us that Christianity, our faith, our belief, it's dusty, it's real, it's true. It happened at a place you can go. You can go to Jerusalem. You can see where Jesus was traditionally born, traditionally crucified, buried, resurrected. It's not merely a myth. It's the true myth. That's what Lewis calls it, right? Lewis calls it the true myth. Christianity, the gospel, the story of Jesus, it's the myth that really is real. A myth, right, is just a story that we use to give meaning to the world. That's what all myths are. But the story that we use to give meaning to the world, the myth of Jesus, is the myth that actually happened. All the other myths kind of mirror it and image it and look back to it, but it's the real myth. Because it happened, we can go there, we can find it out. Last night at our worship meeting, Gary was uh, speculating, encouraging um, this idea of the choir coming back to uh, the 11 a.m. service and speculating that this might be, become our favorite service. And it, it probably will become my favorite service. The Anglican Standard Eucharist plus a choir plus some great hymnody. And eventually when I get you guys to use incense uh, a Sunday or two, it's going to be my favorite I can't wait either. It's going to be good. Uh, Gary said something about how my generation and younger, um, they love the history and the tradition of the church. And that's true. That's one of the things that drew me to the Anglican tradition. Celebrating saints like St. Bartholomew today is something that helps us do that, helps us connect back to this tradition of the church, its history. And the value of doing that is that um, even when we don't know a whole lot about someone like St. Bartholomew, I mean, who knows if he actually ended up in India and was flayed alive or crucified. We don't really know that, but we know that he lived, and we know that he was an apostle, and we know that he preached the gospel. Part of this helps, I think, if you think about it this way, asking the question, when did your church start? When did your church start? And if your answer is anything other than Pentecost, A.D. 33 then you're missing something. I was missing something. I love my tradition. I love my former tradition. I love the way my parents raised me and the church that we went to, and there's nothing, nothing wrong with it whatsoever. We have the same Bible. We preach the same gospel. But that connection of the idea that this body of believers that I'm worshiping with can trace its roots in some actual real historical apostle to bishop and onward sense to the very original 12 people that Jesus gathered around him and said, you are my guys, go and preach my message. Our gospel, and not just that, but the teaching, the Apostles' Creed, you might say. Our church, our tradition, our liturgy in some way. We can go all the way back to the dust of the first century Jerusalem. When that, the room that Peter and the apostles were in when the Holy Spirit descended on them and it lit the fire that became the church. And so let's listen to this collect again, and that's what I'll reflect on just for the next minute. Almighty and everlasting God, you gave your apostle Bartholomew grace, truly to believe and to preach your word. Grant that your church may love what he believed and preach what he taught. So notice a few things about what this collect is claiming as we pray it, that grace is needed to believe. I mean, the faith that we have 
If you're a believer in Jesus, if you've believed in the gospel, that faith, that act of the will, of the heart, of the mind, that you give assent and commitment to Jesus as Lord and Savior, that's a gift. It's a grace of the Holy Spirit given to you. Grace is needed to truly preach. That is that when the ministers who follow in the footsteps of the apostles, bishop upon bishop upon bishop, and priests under them and deacons under them, when they preach, to make it real, to make it effective, to make it something that actually lights the fire of faith, it needs grace. The Holy Spirit's work in and through the church. And notice that we as the church now, we make that shift, right? So... God gave the Apostle Bartholomew grace, and then we pray for the church that exists right now, that we pray for ourselves, that we, as the church that Jesus started, are called to love what he believed. Isn't that an interesting phrase? That we would love with our hearts what he believed. Christianity is so much more than just mental assent to some facts. It is a reorientation of the loves of our heart, that we start loving the story of the gospel that gives shape and substance to the rest of our stories. And we as the church are called to preach what he taught, what he taught, what the apostle Bartholomew taught, what the church has taught. Why is that so important? He taught the gospel and we're called to maintain it because there's such a thing as false gospels. There is such a thing as false teachers, such a thing as false teachings, and they're, they're rampant. And it's the duty of the church and especially its ministers to maintain, to guard the faith once delivered to the saints. So in conclusion, we we belong, praise the Lord, to the church that started on Pentecost in A.D. 33. The gospel we have, the scriptures we have, the tradition of the church, it constitutes an inestimably valuable inheritance that we receive and are therefore called to maintain, to preserve it, to guard it to pass it on. And may we do that as best we can by God's grace in our corner of the world. Amen.